There's quite a few of you um, who, who are new to these classes. I mean, we've done a few books already, and I think we've done over 120, 130 classes. Some of you have been with us from the beginning, and some of you have just joined us for the Gita. So all the classes are on podcast, and um, if anybody wants to catch up from the basics, more than welcome to. Fall of the Human Intellect would be the first lecture to listen to. Um, but even the Gita, um, we will be covering some of the basics as well. So what is the purpose of studying the Gita? Anyone? What do we all hear 10.30 in the morning joining us to study the Gita? What's, what do you think is the purpose of studying the Gita? What do you think? Why are you all here? Why do you want to study the Gita? Yeah, Vanita? Understanding the truths of life and uh, I suppose uh, understanding the messages that are written in the Gita that can help you in life. Well, yeah, good. Anybody else? Yeah, Kevil? Uh, I was going to say understanding that, uh, understanding where to actually find true happiness. Where does it actually lie? True happiness, where it lies. Yeah. Good. Anyone else want to add anything? Anybody, the new people who've joined, no, you've not got, none of you've got, besides Vinay, you've got your videos on, which is fine. Um, but would anyone like to, uh, why are you here to study the Gita? People who are new to the class. Vinay? So your mic's not on, Vinay. Sorry. Um, I, well, I've joined more to sort of gain, yeah, gain a, or develop a better understanding of the philosophy of life, sort of more of a way to live. Yeah, very good. So none of us are born with the knowledge of how to live life. No one is born with the knowledge. What is the right way? What is the wrong way to live life? We conform to the laws of societies, absolutely. But no one actually knows what is the right way to live life. Our parents try to teach us based on what they know, what they were taught. Doesn't mean it's the right way. No one knows what the purpose of life is. We're all born as a human being. What is our purpose? If I ask some of you new members, the old members know, the new members, what is the purpose of life? What would you say? Trying to get all the non-video people involved, new people who've joined. What is the purpose of life? Anybody? To you. It can be, there's no right or wrong. 
as far as you're concerned, what is the purpose of life? Just shout out, no need to um, put your hand up. Anybody? Purpose of life. It's a good question. What is the purpose of life? Just to enjoy yourself? Grow up, get a degree, get a good job, get married, have kids. Is that the purpose of It may be for some people. We're not saying it's wrong. It may be. That, that is my purpose Andy? of life. Sorry? To gain knowledge. To gain knowledge of? Of, of what? Spirituality and life. Spirituality of life. Yep, you're halfway there. Shilpa, thank you. Anybody else? What is the... No okay, all the old members can join in now. What is the knowledge? What's the purpose of life? Seek happiness. Seek happiness. Okay, yeah. Be That's one with the Atma. Dharmesh? Connect with the self. Connect with the self. With, which What's is the self? Our God being in us. God being in us. Okay, yeah, good. Anybody else want to add anything, Carol? Uh, to realize uh, the Atman within. So realize that we are the Atma and to attain self liberation, whatever you, mm -hmm. I guess, interpret self liberation to be. Very good. Yes, absolutely. All right. All of you are right in certain aspects. So purpose life will mean different things to different people. Depends on your understanding. It will mean different things to different people. Depends on their level of knowledge, understanding of life. Doesn't matter what color or creed or what religion you are. So the Gita that we're studying is a book that not only teaches you the purpose of human life, but it also teaches you how to fulfill that purpose. Fair enough knowing what is the purpose. Okay, Dharma said to be with the self. Kevil uh, said to reach self-realization. But how do you get there? See? So the Gita not only teaches you, explains to you the purpose of human life, but also teaches you how to fulfill that purpose. And that's why it's so important. Just as the Bible does something very similar to the Christians, teaches them the purpose of life and how to gain that purpose. So we as a human being contact the world with our five senses and the body, mind, intellect. Five senses, body, mind, intellect. And depending on the contact with the world, we get happiness or unhappiness. You all with me? None of us want unhappiness. So simply put, the Gita is a manual on how to live life so you get permanent happiness. By teaching you to contact the world correctly. So the first aspect is the Gita teaches you how to gain happiness by contacting the world correctly. For, that, for some people, that's sufficient. Others want to know the purpose of life, reach that state of godliness. It can take you there as well. So we have to learn it so that it helps us live a more fulfilling, happy life. That's it. Krishna 
represents the perfect human being. Why? Why does Krishna represent the perfect human being? You just said, what's the purpose of life, Dharmesh? He's connected to the self and fulfilling his role. He has reached that state. So why are we studying the Gita? Because Krishna is telling us. I've, been, I've got there. I'm going to teach you how to get there. So there we go. At what level you want to be content by studying this is up to you. Any questions? Vinay, make sense? Good. So what have we covered so far in a nutshell? Kauravas, Pandavas. Kauravas cheated the Pandavas of their kingdom. The game of dice. Kingdom was held in trust by Duryodhana, whilst the Pandavas were in exile for 13 years. But due to Duryodhana's evil-mindedness, he went against the agreement when the Pandavas returned. So the Pandavas had no choice but to fight the Kauravas, to take back what was theirs in the first place. The Kauravas were evil unrighteous, the Pandavas were good and righteous. So the battle is to begin. The Kauravas, the bad against the Pandavas, the good. Arjuna observes Duryodhana and his supporters ready to fight for the kingdom that was not legally theirs. Sanjaya, who is narrating the story to the Didisha, father of the Kauravas, he continues to give subtle suggestions to him that his sons will lose this war. He's a devotee of Krishna. He portrays Krishna as invincible, representing righteousness. But Yudhishthira doesn't want to know. The first chapter, as you said, is divided into six topics. And today we're going to start topic four. Any questions before we start? Everyone, everyone on the same page? Great. So we start with verse 20. As normal, I'll chant and then I'll chant the second time and you can all repeat it. Atavya vastitan drisva tartarastran kapit vajaha pravarte sastrasampate Danurud yam ya pandavaha Vishikesham tadavakyam Idamaha mahipate Atavya vastitan drisva Dartarastran kapit pajaha Pravate sastrasampate Danurud yam ya pandavaha Rishikesham tadavakyam Idamaha mahipate. Then, seeing the Trishya's host, meaning the Kauravas, his sons, standing arrayed, ready to operate the weapons, Pandava with the monkey in sign, taking up his bow 
said these words to Rishikesha, O Lord of Earth. So what does that mean? In a nutshell, what all that means is Arjuna sees the Kaurava army ready for battle. He picks up his bow, which has a monkey sign. Hanuman, sign of Hanuman. And this verse 20 is, goes with verse 21, 22. So we'll only get a full understanding when we read the next verses. But we'll read the commentary. That's all it says, this particular verse. Who's reading the first, first one? Ah, Hema. The fourth topic covering the following 11 verses show how emotion. Sorry, Hema, you're not clear. Um, you're breaking okay. up. Sorry, I'll start again. Yeah. The fourth topic covering the following 11 verses show how emotions overpower Arjuna just as the battle was to begin. Arjuna observed the Kaurava, Kaurava forces ready, their weapons to start the battle. It was his turn to respond. As a true Satriya warrior, Arjuna poised himself for battle. He picked up his bow and asked his charioteer, Krishna, to drive him between the two armies to assess the enemy lines and begin the battle. The, these two verses are very significant. They indicate clearly the state of Arjuna. Arjuna was perfectly conscious of his obligations as a Satriya and a leader. He had planned the battle for many years. The time had now come to execute his well-designed plans. His faculties were fully available. He took his first step in, st in starting the battle. His condition here contrasts strikingly with the deplorable state to which Arjuna plunges soon after. Shortly, the great warrior will be reduced to a shambles, totally incapable of fulfilling his obligatory duty as a warrior. This sudden loss of clarity and certainty indicates the devastating influence of the human mind. Dhrastarastra is addressed as Mahipati meaning the Lord of Earth. Krishna is called by two means, Rishikesha and Akuta. Rishikesha means the Lord of the senses and Akuta means one who has never fallen, never been vanquished. Sanjaya is again trying through subtle suggestions to convince Dhritarashtra of the supreme invincible nature of Krishna who stands on the side of the righteous Pandavas. Thank you, Emma. So we'll go into 21 and 22 now. So, he says, take me to the middle of, between the two armies, in the middle of the field. Arjuna uvacha sena yorupayor madhye ratham sapayame chuta so 
yame arjuna ubacha sena yorupayor madhye ratham stapayame chuta yavadetam nirikshaham yodukhamanavastitan kermaya sahayodavyam asmin rana samudhyame Arjuna said, place my chariot between the two armies, O Achyuta, that I may say, see thee standing desirous to fight, with whom all I must fight in this outbreak, breaking battle. So Arjuna said these words to Krishna. He instructs Krishna to place his chariot between the two armies. Let me see all those that who are in the Kaurava army that I must fight. Arjuna is ready. At this point, he's ready, geared up, charged up, ready to fight the war. Yeah, he's in full control. And he calls, refers Krishna as a tutor. Remember, I said that sometimes different names are used for Arjuna and Krishna, depending on the situation. And you're going to get more and more of that. And it'll become more clearer why they do this. In this sense, a tutor meaning one who has never fallen. Krishna has never fallen. That's what Achyuta means. You could take that as one who has never lost a battle. So he's calling him that with respect. Philosophically, you can say one who has never fallen from his nature. Krishna had limitless knowledge about life, about self. He represented a perfect human being, as we said. Perfect human being is one who has reached his goal of life as a human being. Self-realization, moksha. So we need to follow his teachings so we can get there with him. Same place as he has reached that state. Only someone who has reached that state can teach us. Who better than Krishna? Many saints who have reached that state. So we follow whichever saint makes sense to us, whose, whose teachings we can relate to. Different people relate to different saints. They've all reached that state. Any questions? Arjuna asked Krishna to station his chariot between the two armies to enable him to scrutinize those opposing him in the imminent war. This again indicates Arjuna's complete readiness to start the battle. It is interesting to note how much such a valiant soldier of outstanding merit loses within moments all courage and conviction and seriously conditions considers quitting the scene of battle. We're getting there. We're going to see him collapse in a second before the end of this class. Verse 23. Ya <laughs> 
Yude Priya Chikir Savaha Yotsyamana Naveksheham Ya Etetra Samagataha Dartarashtrasya Durbuddhi Yude Priya Chikir Savaha I observe those who are assembled here to fight, wishing to please in battle the evil-minded son of the Trishtra. This is Arjuna saying to Krishna, I can see all these guys. Darbuddhi. I've, been, I've heard that name a couple of times. I think my mom might have uh, called me that when I was young, but I don't think she meant, she meant evil-minded. Just someone who was careless, maybe. Someone, when I was reading this verse, I remember that. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> word before my mom's listening by the way she's probably uh, laughing right now but i have heard that mention word mentioned a few times now i know what it means it says look this evil-minded duryodhana son of the drishtra so you have to remember that throughout their childhood duryodhana the kauravas pandavas grew up together they studied together they learned together warfare and Duryodhana and his brothers have always been jealous of Arjuna and the rest of the Pandava brothers. Because they were good people. One, Duryodhana's father, the Kaurava's father, was blind. They could not be king. And because of that, Duryodhana was deprived of his kingship. So he always had this animosity, this uh, jealousy against Arjuna and his brothers. And throughout life, Arjuna being a good, a good person and the Pandava brothers, they never reacted to Kaurava's jealousy. They never reacted to their behavior. They said, let it go. They're my cousins. It's okay. That's their nature. Everyone acts based on their nature. If you understand that, you accept them for what they are. They can't help themselves. A bad person doesn't know he's bad. It's his nature. He can't help himself. That's his desires, his vasanas. Everyone is born with vasanas, which is like, you can say, your DNA. Vasanas are like your DNA. They could be good or bad. Vasnas develop into thoughts. Thoughts develop into desires. Desires develop into action. So based on your vasna, you are based on what, what your vasnas are. These are. This is for the new people. You are a bundle of vasnas. So, Arjuna and his brothers were never jealous. They understood that's their vastness. But now he's been bottling it all up and it's now coming to the surface. He can't take it anymore. Okay, it's their vastness, but still, I've got to do something about it. I can't hack it anymore. I can't accept this anymore. He says, let me see all these people who are ready to support this evil person. He's ready to fight. He understands his obligations as to what needs to be done. 
Yeah, you're with me. Let's see what happens to him. Read the commentary. Uh, Hema, is it so? Who's 24? 23. Sorry, 23. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Okay. Um, Duryodhana had been evil-minded from the very beginning. He had continually persecuted the Pandavas. In his last vicious act, he denied the kingdom legitimately due to them. It had been stipulated that upon completion of the Pandavas' 13 years exile, their kingdom would be returned to them. During these 13 years, the kingdom had remained under the control of Duryodhana, only in trust. But Duryodhana, with the evil intent of usurping the kingdom, refused to yield the kingdom after they met this condition. That last act forced them into the war. Remembering the atrocities of Duryodhana, Arjuna speaks of him in the verse as evil-minded. Arjuna was also anxious to identify all those who had assembled on the Gaurava side in support of Duryodhana's wickedness. The spirit of challenge still burns within Arjuna. He remains geared up and ready to fight the righteous war. Yeah, there we go. He's still ready to fight. As we said, first chapter, not too much philosophy. It's just setting the scene. Verse 24, we read 24 and then we will read 25 separately, even though they're together, yeah? Sanjaya uvacha eva mukto rishi kesho guda kesena bharata sena yorupa yormadye stapayit Paratotamam Sanjaya Uvacha Eva Mukto Rishi Kesho Guda Keshena Bharata Sena Yorupa Yormatye Stapayit Paratotamam Sanjaya said, Thus addressed by Guda Kesha. Rishikesha, O Bharata, have been drawn up the best of chariots between the two armies. So here, Arjuna is referred to the Lord of Sleep, one who has conquered Lefaji, hence always alert, is a warrior, is never lazy, is always ready for action. Sanjaya describes Arjuna and Krishna's chariot as magnificent. Don't forget, Sanjaya is explaining it to the Drishya, far away, what's going on in the battlefield. This is how the Gita is told. Their chariot is magnificent. What he really is trying to say is the riders in the chariot are magnificent, great. He can't say that. Because he's, the Drishya doesn't want to hear that. So Krishna, on purpose, positions the chariot in front of Bhishma and Drona, both outstanding warriors. He puts the chariot right in front of Drona and Bhishma. They're both fighting this war, not just to make Duryodhana happy. They're doing the obligation to their kingdom. 
They follow orders, regardless of how they felt about the war. They have to do what's, what's right. Krishna points them out to Arjuna to make him understand his obligations and duty towards the Pandavas. It's a way of him telling Arjuna subtly, look, this is what you have to do. Look what they're doing, Bhishma and Drona. They're good people, but they're still fighting for the evil-minded Duryodhana because they have to. They've taken the oath for the kingdom. You also have to do the same thing for the, for the, for the Pandavas. You have a duty towards the Pandavas to fight the war of righteousness, to follow their example, follow Bhishma and Drona's example. As a soldier, you're supposed to follow orders, not question them. You can't have a conscience. You cannot fulfill your role and fight the enemy. To your soldier on the battlefield, the, where, does the, um, where does the instruction come from? For a soldier to fight, who ultimately makes the decision? Prime Minister. Churchill said, we must fight the Germans. Soldiers can't say why. They have to go and fight. That's their responsibility. So they cannot question. They cannot have a conscience. Otherwise, they can't fulfill their role as a soldier. Nilam. 20, actually, let me read 25 and then you can read the whole, yeah? So we'll chant 25 now. Bishma, from Bishma, isn't it? Bishma drona pramukkataha sarvesham cha mahikshitam uvacha parthapashyaitan Samavetan Kuruniti Bishmadrona Pramukkataha Sarvesham Chamahikshitam Uvacha Parthapashyaitan Samavetan Kuruniti In front of Bishma, Drona, and all the rulers of the earth said, O Partha, behold these Gurus gathered together. Behold these gurus gathered together. I mean, look at all these Gauravas, these unrighteous Gauravas. So coming back to the beginning, we said, why do we study the Gita? The Gauravas represent the negative side of life. The Pandavas represent the positive side of life. What is this negative and positive? Anyone? Vanita? Does it represent like the, the bad thoughts in you and the goodness in you? Like that is what you are as yeah. a person. You can have both sides. Everyone is made up of both sides. Right now you're studying the Gita. You all have good thoughts. Gita is finished. You can easily turn into negative thoughts. How dare you said that to me? How dare you do that to me? Look at this person. So for one and a half hours, one hour, you're all having positive thoughts. Thanks to Krishna. So what is this positive? Thank you, Vanita. What's this positive?
For anybody else, positive and negative. Gauravas represent negative, Pandavas positive. And they represent the positive and negative side of life. What would these positive and negative sides be in our life? As Vanita said, good and bad thoughts. Something a bit more subtle. Anybody? Uh, Kevin. Um, is it is it constantly that uh, the thing in our mind that we always have where it's a battle of you know whether I should do something or whether I shouldn't do something? It's the thought that we always have in our mind and the way that our the, our mind overtakes uh, what we should be doing. Yeah, you're, you're halfway there, but you haven't fin you haven't said what we should be doing, Megna. Is it your battle between the mind and intellect? Find it could be, yeah, very good battle of, between the mind and intellect. You're you're once again um, halfway there, Megna. You're both right, Gerald, Megna. But ultimately, what is this good and bad? Kevil is correct, what we must do. Magna is right, in order to do that, we need to make sure the mind and intellect are engaged. But what is it, Kevil? Is it that we should overcome our desires or like get rid of our desires? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're all getting there. Anybody else? It's okay. You're all thinking, that's the main purpose of this, by the way questioning is so you, you can you all think so sorry Megna did you have your hand up no I was going to say is it between being self-realized and not self-realized yeah you hit it on the nail nail on the head as they say <laughs> what you ought to do in life is any action that you perform that takes you towards spiritual development so whatever action you do in life, a positive action is that one that takes to spiritual development. The self within. So any action you do that allows you to go within is a positive action. Which, as Kevin and Meghna said, you need the mind and intellect prepared. You need to make sure that the negative thoughts are dismissed. Like Kevin said. How do we do that? For example, anything that you, any action you perform based on the three yogas, which we're going to cover, karma, bhakti, jnana, we're going to cover in the Gita, they're positive actions. So what is negative then? If a positive action is any action that takes you to the self, purpose of life, what is negative? It's the opposite. Any action that takes you away from the self. Example, increasing worldly desires. As Kevil said, controlling your desires. Desires for name, fame, power, ego. Negative action. Unless these take you, they're all negative action because they take you away from your spiritual self. Unless you're fulfilling those desires of name, fame, power, ego, Krishna Ben, with the goal of getting to the self. You see the difference? 
You may need to do those because you have those desires, but your goal is ultimately to reach the self. I need to earn money because I need to go to Rishikesh and me meditate in a cave so I can reach the self. So you might say, okay, I need to earn money to do that. But the goal is ultimately to reach that state. Any clarifications on that? Very important that is that we understand that. Is that clear? Vinay, clear? Um, I'm still thinking. <laughs> That's fine. Megna? I want to ask, how do you know which of your desires are those that are going to bring you closer to that goal? Because that's not always, obviously we're going through life as well. So you have those certain desires that will move you forward. But in terms of your end, that might not result in the end goal being, they might not be related. So how do you know which ones are? Very good question. Anybody? Nilam? I don't know. I'd almost think that there'd be some form of, whilst you're performing those actions, there'd be some inner peace. So if you're definitely doing something that's taking you away from that, I think there'd be restlessness, agitation, perhaps. Very good. Very good. Dermesh? As you said before, you may do an action and someone else may see it as a negative, but if it's positive in your mind, and it brings you peace, like the person just said, then you're doing it for yourself good. Mm -hmm. Take you Very forward. good. Benita? I would say that any action that you do, you shouldn't expect any, the outcome shouldn't change your perspective. Like you're only doing it as a part of the role, as who you are. Yeah. So it's your duty duty to do whatever you need to do, whether it's to help somebody. You shouldn't expect something back from that. Very good. So, when they're saying unselfish actions might take might be helpful to get to that spiritual goal. You know, remember we said unselfishness is one of the key uh, um, thoughts in any action. If you're doing something unselfishness, it cannot take you anywhere besides spiritual development, because you're not thinking of yourself. When you're not thinking of yourself, you're thinking of others, and when you're thinking of others. You're not creating your own desires. When you're thinking of yourself, you're creating more new desires. When you're thinking of others, you're not thinking of your own self. So they take you to spiritual development because for new members, spiritual development or moksha is when you have zero desires. Megna. Zero desires means you reach that state. When you're thinking of others, you're not thinking of yourself, you're not increasing your own desires, you're not fulfilling your own desires. But as we go along in the Gita, it will be clear. We're on the first chapter, you're asking the question that we, you will, by the 18th chapter, say, I, yes, I understand now what it is that I must do. Yeah, very good question though. Neelam said, lack of agitations. When it doesn't agitate your action, it's a positive action. Any other clarifications? 
So. So would you say, in one sense, if we're looking at the example of uh, Bhishma um, and Drona in this example, they didn't necessarily want to fight the war. And um, maybe in their mindset knew that Krishna was always going to win anyway. Yeah. But he had to fulfill his duty towards the king yeah. who, who was at that time still Dhritarashtra. Yeah, absolutely. Did, did everyone hear that, by the way? No? So she's saying, still saying then, does that mean Bhishma and Drona are doing a negative action? Or are they doing a positive action, correct? Speak up a bit louder. No, I'm saying if we're looking at the example of Bhishma and Drona in this scenario base, mm -hmm. um, they are fighting an unrighteous war which they don't necessarily want to fight. Yeah. And possibly know that Krishna is going to help the Pandavas to win in any case. Yeah but they have to fulfill their duty towards the king who was Dhritarashtra at the time. So Bhishma and Drona are fulfilling their duties, their obligations as head of the army. They can't say, is my action positive or negative? They have to do their obligatory duties. In life, we all have to fulfill our obligations. Carol. Yeah, so I was just coming back to to Meghna's question uh, about knowing whether which desires are, are positive or leading us towards spiritual development. So one of the things we said was that something that's that doesn't give you agitation, right, was or, or unselfishness. I'm I'm struggling to to understand that because an example, for um, let's say I don't know, I see an animal suffering and I put it out of its misery. Is that sort of like to me, that's taking a life, right? Like now, do we do we classify that as like sort of positive or negative? Um, because it's to me, it's all like in the beholders, like the eye of the beholder, right? So if if I might go and hurt someone, and I might not be agitated, but that's not necessarily spiritual development or positive, right? Um, they, to me, it feels like we should have some sort of guidelines or some sort of rules that we follow and align to, right? Uh, I don't know. So the question is everybody's different. You see, there's a spectrum of Krishna, all of us, all the bad characters, till someone like Hitler. Yeah. Who do we follow? So, first of all, Sil just mentioned intention. What's the intention here? Yeah, you say you put an animal out of misery. The intention is good. It's not bad. If it was a bad intention, you have agitations. Did you feel agitated after killing the animal? No, because you put it out of its misery. So as you develop spiritually, your values will go up. Right now, this is where you are. As you understand this knowledge, develop, your values will go up. Your thoughts will be purer. You become more unselfish. You think of others more, more, other people suffering. You may not be able to help them. But everyone has a different starting point. That's the point. That's, the, that, that's what I'm trying to say. Kevin. But that's, that's on the basis that I am understanding what I'm doing is correct. And, right? so, so let's say, for example, I develop spiritually and I'll, I'll start having more pure thoughts. 
someone who is on the other extreme for example hitler right he 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 believed in what he what he thought was correct right and he's gone on that other extreme end in his mind he's probably thinking i'm actually the most spiritually developed person in the world because i have done you know everything to you know that's that's correct according to what i believe um i'm still finding it hard to distinguish between between that if that makes sense so the distinction between hitler and yourself no <laughs> the distinction <laughs> okay so very easy to answer your question kevel right now you're confused right mm-hmm. with that as we study the gita that confusion will clear you're saying right now i don't know if i could fight this war or not what is right what is wrong this is what arjuna is saying by 18th chapter he fights and he wins the war same thing as we go along and i think we should start wednesday classes soon so we can have these debates yeah because you know as we go along now you're coming up with questions rightfully so and i love when you think and ask questions because you develop more then um come the 18th chapter or as we go along you'll all that um confusion will slowly start clearing up just like arjuna's yeah okay yeah? so just stick with it and we'll get there megna you also you'll get clarity because krishna hasn't started talking yet to remove your ignorance okay any other questions vanita i i think also uh, bhishma and uh, dronacharya are in the obviously with uh, duryodhan because they've made like bad life choices themselves they've made choices based on their um their vasanas i suppose what they wanted and that has Definitely. also resulted them being on the wrong side even though they've had a pure intention in some yeah. point but they've also not done what they should have rightfully isn't it absolutely i mean they're not um highly spiritually developed they're highly developed warriors yeah, you got to remember that but still they're doing their duty that's the point here So Arjuna said Krishna said to Arjuna come on these guys are doing the duty you respect them you got to do your duty Nilam Arjuna is addressed as Gudugesha Guduga means sleep and Isha means lord Gudugesha therefore means the lord of sleep Arjuna was reputed to be ever active and alert never a victim of lethargy In that sense he is said to have conquered sleep. Rishikesha is Krishna and Bharata is Dhrushta. Sanjaya describes the chariot ridden by Krishna and Arjuna in superlative terms. Earlier in the 14th verse he referred to the chariot as magnificent. This is a typical example of a transferred epithet where the magnificence of its riders is transferred to the chariot. Sanjaya is overawed by the presence of Krishna and Arjuna on the battlefield. He holds this reverence and admiration till the very end of his narration. In the last 5 verses of the final chapter of the Gita, 
Sanjaya goes into raptures, recollecting the marvel and magnificence of the person and the message of the Lord. Bratha is another name of Arjuna. Bratha means son of Bratha, the son of Gundi. Arjuna has asked Krishna to place his chariot between the two armies to scrutinize the opposing forces. He also makes a sweeping remark that those men have assembled there to please the evil-minded Duryodhana. Krishna's first lesson to Arjuna begins here. Krishna positions the chariot, particularly in front of Bhishma and Drona, and asks him to behold the gurus. Though being on the Gaurava side, they both epitomize the highest order of Kshatriya, warrior men of outstanding character. They would not stoop to merely pleasing the evil-minded Duryodhana. They would fight for the Kauravas only to fulfill their obligations as true Kshatriyas. Circumstances had placed them in the Kaurava camp. As soldiers, they would give of their best, even for the unrighteous Kauravas. A soldier does not go into the merits of the decision to wage war. The state de decides that. A soldier follows the orders of the state. Thus, at least Bhishma and Drona cannot be classified under the category of mean opportunists fighting only to please and court favour with the evil-minded Duryodhana. Krishna's gesture in pointing out Bhishma and Drona is meant not only to remove any misunderstanding about their character from Arjuna's mind, but also to educate him to follow their example. Arjuna has to perform the duty that has befallen him as a Kshatriya. He has to fight for the Bandavas, whose cause is a righteous one. His attention should not slip into personalities and personal motives and mar his perception of his duty. The Mahabharata war arose from a clash of morality. Righteousness was fighting unrighteousness. As a leader of the Bandava forces, Arjuna's concentration should remain with the upholding of righteousness. Such is his obligatory duty. Krishna's initial lesson made no impression upon Arjuna. He soon succumbed to the pressures of personal relationships and petty emotions. Thank you, Nilam. There are unfortunately sometimes very big paragraphs we're going to have to read. 26. Tatra Pashyat Shittam Parthaha Vitarnatha Pitamahan Acharyana Matulan Brit Atan Putran Potran Shakim Stata Swasuran Surdas Jaiva Sen Sorry, I didn't pronounce, I didn't say it properly, the verse, but I'll try again. So if you'll repeat. Tatra pasyat stitan parthaha Pitarnatha pitamahan Acharyan matulan bhartan Putran potran shakhim stata Svasuran surta sen some of these, uh, as you can see, that middle line, how long is that word? 
So sometimes you just have to, it's very easy not to pronounce it properly. So excuse me. There, Barkaso, standing fathers, grandfathers, teachers, maternal uncles, brothers, sons, grandsons and comrades, fathers-in-law and friends, also in both the armies. The first lesson Krishna taught Arjuna had little effect on him. Arjuna surrendered to his emotions due to his personal relationships in the opposing army. Instead of warriors, he saw all his relatives, childhood friends in the Kaurav army. He used to play with them, grew up with them. He couldn't afford to do that just before commencing battle. He can't get emotional. And due to this weak emotion, Arjuna had a mental breakdown. He says, I, I cannot fight these people. I cannot, there's no way. He was unable to fulfill his obligation as a warrior. He didn't see warriors. He saw uncles, cousins, family. He saw family. Imagine you have to kill family. There's no way you can do it. It's very difficult. Nilam. Responding to Krishna's call, Arjuna saw all his relatives stationed in both armies. There were Bhishma, Somdata, and Balika. Balika, teachers Dronacharya and Kripacharya, maternal uncles Purujit, Puntiboj, and Salya father-in-law, Dropada and Saiba, brothers Yudhishthir and the rest, cousins Duryodhana and his brothers, son, sons, nephews, Abhimanyu, Pratividya, Gatogacha, Lakshmana and others. Besides, there were a host of friends and playmates of early youth. Arjun saw, Arjuna saw relatives, not warriors. No soldier can afford to think of his personal ties at the zero hour of battle. His attention and concentration ought to be on the strategies of the battle, not on the personal relationships. This faulty approach to the situation led him to a mental collapse, incapacitating him from carrying out his obligatory duty as a warrior. Thank you, Venita. No explanation needed there. 27. Tansamikshya sakonteya Sarvan bandhu navishtitan Kripaya paraya vishto Vishitani dama bravit Tansamikshya sakonteya Sarvan bandhu navishtitan Kripayat paravya vishto vishitani dama bravit. He, the son of Kunti, seeing all these kinsmen thus standing, filled with deep pity, uttered this in sorrow. So we're going to find out what he uttered in the next verse. But remember, I said, Sometimes Arjuna and Krishna refer to different names based on the scenario, the situation. Normally, Arjuna, who is a great soldier, one of the highest acclaimed soldier 
would be referred as Mahabaho, which means mighty armed, or Parantapa, scorcher of foes. That's his name. That's what they call him. But here, Arjuna is referred to as son of Kunti, meaning that's his mother, Kunti, Kunti Mata. He's referred to as son of Kunti, meaning, look at the state of him. How can we call him Mahabaho or Parantapa? He can't, he's collapsing. So he's called son of Kunti, a child, due to his weakness to carry out his duty. As we said, Arjuna saw his kinsmen rather than his enemy. Became pitiful, sorrowful. This sense of sorrow due to his attachment to his relatives and friends. It's not correct behavior by a warrior of Arjuna's stature. Everyone understand that? Dharmesh, pretty clear. Arjuna is referred to in this verse as Kunteya. Kunteya means son of Kunti. The choice of names for Arjuna and Krishna is significant throughout the text. The familial name reminds one of Arjuna's current involvement in his relationships and his consequent emotional weaknesses. The expected reference to Arjuna at the crucial hour of battle would have been to been to any one of his martial epithets, such a Mahabaho, mighty armed, or a Parantapa, scorcher of foes, though a misnomo in the context. Kunteya serves to indicate the mental state of the warrior. Arjuna is be behaving more as a child than a warrior on a battlefield. The verse also states that Arjun saw his kinsman standing there, the choice of the word kinsman, Bandhu, further indicates Arjun's wrong approach to the situation. The battlefield is no place for a soldier to view his opponents as his relatives and friends. This distorted vision plunges Arjun into a state of deep pity and sorrow. Deep pity at the thought of the inevitable doom of his near and dear ones in the impending Holocaust. Sorrow born out of excessive attachment to his fellow beings. These qualities are unbecoming of a warrior, particularly one of Arjun's caliber. Thank you. So we're seeing now the fall of Arjuna. 28 and 29. Siddhanti mamagatrani mukham cha parishushyati vepatuscha sharire me romaharsascha jayate Arjuna uvacha drishtve mam svajanam krishna yuyutsum samuvastitam Siddhanti mamagatrani mukham cha parishushyati vepatuscha sharire me romaharsachajayate. Arjuna said, seeing these, O Krishna, one's own kinsmen arrayed, desirous to fight, my limbs fail. 
my mouth is parched, my body trembles, and my hair stands on end. There you go, because Arjuna is now becoming emotional. He can't sustain himself, Arjuna. Goes into severe mental condition. And this mental condition manifests into physical symptoms. My limbs have failed, my mouth is dry, my body is trembling, my hair is on end. This is the state of Arjuna now. When you become emotional, you cannot function properly. The mind is agitated. His mind is agitated, so he cannot function properly now. And we're going to hear, find out what happens. Anita? Arjuna succumbed to the overwhelming emotions that gushed forth at the sight of his relatives and friends. He fell into a state of psychoneurosis. His emotional disorder manifested itself in physical symptoms. His limbs failed, his mouth was parched, his body trembled and his hair stood on end. The following verses, of, verses further describe the consequences of Arjuna's mental entanglement. Thank you. We take up the last verse now for this topic. Verse 30. Gandivam sramsate hastat vacheva paridayate nachasaknom yavastatum brahmati vachame manaha Gandivam sramsate hastat vacheva paridayate nachasak Gandiva slips from my hand. My skin burns all over. My mind whirls as it were, and I'm not able to stand. Arjuna's bow is called Gandiva. Falls from his hands and he collapses on the battlefield. He's a warrior, highest warrior, acclaimed warrior in the land. So this condition of Arjuna, what does it signify? What does it signify? Anybody? Yeah, Benita? Basically, he's not fulfilling his role as a Shastriya. He's now taken back by his attachments to his um, for love for his family and um, yeah. his See, we're able to help give advice to others. When the challenge confronts us, we're not able to follow them. That same advice. Sushnavan. Why is that? Anyone? We're able to give advice to others. Your friend loses a family member. They're emotional. You go and help them, advise them, think for them. They cannot function. They're in that frame of mind. Someone passed away in your own family. You're not able to follow the same advice. Why is that? It's because of Make the attachment we have. Attachment we have, yes, but you know what it is that you must do. Megna. Very good, Shilpa. 
it's because you can be objective for someone else's you're sort of a third party for someone else's experience but when it's your own then your intellect isn't available to you to it's not available to you so you're not using your intellect at the time your mind is taken over mind is taken over the state of original demonstrate that when we're mentally agitated see when your friends someone passes away in your friend's family you're not mentally agitated they're mentally agitated you have clarity of thought your intellect's functioning you can give them advice but in your own case when it happens to you you're mentally agitated your intellect cannot think as megna said and when we can't think correctly we are unable to physically act correctly this is the law of life when you're mentally agitated you can't act properly that is what happening to arjuna he had clarity of thought as soon as he saw his kinsmen opposite he became emotional the mind took over the intellect how can i fight these people i grew up with them Drona Bishma they taught me how to fight and I'm fighting them they're my gurus how can I So there's an example given in this uh in this uh verse imagine to demonstrate this imagine a plank of wood 6 foot wide you put it on the floor and I say to you walk across 6 foot wide 10 foot long Anybody have any problems walking on that plank of wood lying on the floor? You'll say, "Yeah, I'll run across." Forget about walking. Put that same plank of wood 10 floors up between two buildings. Engineer comes and certifies that it's perfectly safe to walk. How easy is it for you to walk now on that plank of wood high up? This is the difference. the mind is now thinking hey what if i fall what if something happens does the wind what if i lose control now you're agitated you can't perform that same action that you could do a minute ago when the same plank of wood was on the floor this is the difference when the mind is agitated you can't act magna makes sense does everyone understand the difference when the intellect's not available mind takes over it gets emotional agitated you cannot you cannot act law of life so we're made up of the body the mind intellect the physical body acts either based on the mind or the intellect intellect is the adult reason thinks the mind is emotional acts on likes and dislikes the child in you as megna said we have to develop our intellect so ojana's mind is agitated the mind has overpowered his intellect he therefore cannot overcome his emotions he can't think clearly therefore he can't act properly and that's why he's coming to this state so it means we need to develop ourselves to be able to confront challenges in our own life develop the intellect we develop our intellect able to overcome our mind's agitation think clearly in negative situations 
We can't surrender when life throws curveballs at us. We have to learn to catch them. And life will throw curveballs at you because this is how life is. We can't all be hunky-dory all the time. Challenges will come. How well are you equipped to deal with them? That's the difference. Ravi, can you read the last question? Arjuna continues in his state of extreme mental agitation. His physical, physical body yields to emotional pressure. His famous bow, Gadiva, slips from his hand and he can no longer stand. His physical failings convey two distinct messages. First, it indicates how even a pillar of strength like Arjuna can collapse when facing his own personal problems. It is easy for someone to philosophize and even help another who faces a challenge. But when the challenge confronts him, when he must face it himself, his philosophy does not seem to does not seem so readily available. The challenge often crushes him. He would therefore be wise to assess your own strength and develop your inner faculties so they can face and conquer the personal challenges that will confront you in life. The second message conveyed here is that mental agitations in incapacitate the physical body. When your mind is agitated, you cannot think properly. If you cannot think properly, you cannot act effectively. It is a law of life. Here is a simple illustration of this truth. Place a plank six feet wide on the ground. Ask people to walk on the plank. Everyone does it with ease. Now, fix the same plank high up over the street, connecting two tall buildings on the 13th floor. Let engineers certify the safety of walking on it. Yet almost no one would venture to walk on it. Why is it so? When the plank is resting on the floor, the mind is calm. The intellect can think. Anyone can walk on it, yet place the plank on the 13th floor and the mind immediately entertains fear of a fall. It becomes agitated. When the mind is disturbed, the intellect cannot think. When thinking stops, action ceases. Thus, Arjuna has ceased acting. His mind's agitation has overpowered his intellect. His intellect does not have the strength to withstand his overwhelming emotions. Therefore, you need to develop a strong intellect to withstand the onslaughts of an ag agitated mind and to direct your actions properly. Thank you, Ravi. Any questions? This is the problem here, Arjuna. Mind is taken over. Simple as that. Sil has a question. Right, let's see if this works. What, what we've covered so far seems very negative to think of. Can everyone hear, by the way? So all emotions come from the mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, Compassion is an emotion. 
and sorrow is and they come from the mind. So relatively showing compassion towards somebody is not a negative, mm -hmm. um, uh, is not a negative emotion to mm -hmm. have. Um, basically what I'm saying is, is that what we've covered so far is, is saying that it's negative to have those emotions and thought and not act upon those. And, you know, for example, if we face sorrow, yeah. Um, the idea of some emotions being positive is where the baton is, isn't it? So, for example, I would be overwhelmed if I was faced with a challenge, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, so is it the length of agitation or is it the depth of agitation that should be concerning for me? Because we, we would all be agitated for a short period, for sure. See, the mind... Just like that. Everyone understand, Syl, what she's saying, that we all feel emotions. Shouldn't we feel emotions? Should we be a stone? Yeah. This is what she's saying in a nutshell. Okay, anybody would like to, uh, uh, Vanita? So obviously you have uh, your attachments, your feelings towards family members, your friends, and if you do lose somebody, you're gonna feel that because you, you have the that attachment to them. But if you're gonna dwell over that for a long period of time, it stops you refocusing on life in general because if you dwell I'm not saying you're dwelling but if you're concentrating on that particular sadness for a, a short period of time you can push yourself and bring yourself back to understand that that is the way of life if somebody passes away it's it's we ultimately all know that's what's going to happen but for it to carry on and you're swallowed into it then stops you from developing yourself and moving forward yeah anybody else so we all feel emotions. The mind feels emotions and that's positive. Emotions are good. The difference is when becoming emotional, when you become emotional, then you lose control of your perspective in life for that period of time. That period could be day, weeks, months, years. So we're not saying don't feel emotions. Arjuna feels emotional, yes. He sees families opposite, and he feels emotional, emotions, rightly. But he's now getting emotional, and he's no longer able to fulfill his obligations. His obligation is to fight a battle for righteousness. That's the difference. So in life, yes, someone passes away. You feel that emotion. But the minute you become emotional, that's where the problem lies. Because you're losing control of your own physical personality. You're not good to anybody. And a human being is not made to do, made to be like that. They're supposed to be in control of their emotions. I'm sorry for your loss. I understand what you're feeling. But everyone knows the fact that you're born, you're going to die. Death can take you at any time. Having that understanding, you feel emotion, emotion for that person, sympathy, empathy. 
but you can't break down. And that's being in control. And to do that, you need to develop your intellect so you're in control of those emotions. Can't lose it, basically. That's what we're saying. Any questions? Right. I'm not just saying um, the way I was thinking of it when uh, someone's feeling down or are going through emotional kind of trauma if someone's in a well you don't go and jump in that well because how are you going to pull them out so if we stay a little bit more stable then we can help pull them out in their emotional times yeah. so that's why it teaches us a little bit thank you Baba. Now, all the new people who have joined these classes, um, we have a WhatsApp group. And if anybody, whoever wants to be on the WhatsApp group, we sort of, um, well, I, I basically tell you what's happening in class next, next Sunday. And if there's any changes or anything, um, please let Ravi know and he can add you to the group. So you're up to date with classes. Yeah, WhatsApp group. And if anybody has any questions, they can put it on the WhatsApp group as well. We can cover. You may not want to say it in class. Yeah, you can put it on the group, and we can take it up. Um, and I think we'll as soon as we ch start chapter two, we'll um, start Wednesday evening group discussion. Yeah. So we've gone a bit ahead today, and with the guitar, unfortunately, it's difficult to stick to our fifteen minutes. Hope you all enjoyed it and we'll have a little nap now. <laughs> <laughs>